Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hey, Life Church, so glad that you joined us again today. We are in week 14 of our series called Wake Up the House, and we're still focusing on being holy, being whole. You see, I truly believe that, that the church should look different than the world. But what is it that should make us distinct from the world? Let me tell you what it is not. It's not your own personal opinions about what is happening in the world. It is not your political party, who you voted for, or your stance on climate change. We should not be known for our personal opinions. God does not guard your opinion, but God guards his word. And God will move mountains for his word. God will not move for your opinion. So what should make us different than the world is not our opinions, but it's God's movement in our lives. That is what should make us stand out. God's presence that is seen in the peace that we have when the rest of the world is in turmoil and fear. It's God's backing of the decisions that we are making because we are in relationship with him and he's leading us and we are following the instructions of his word. And because we are doing that, we see the fruit in our lives and it can only be that God is there. It's God's impact on our lives and in our relationships. But remember those things They won't be present in your life if you are building your life and your home on your opinions. But they will be present when you build your life on the Word of God. And we've been talking from the beginning of the series. We are building our homes. We are building our lives. We are building our dreams on the rock as our foundation. And that rock is Jesus Christ and the Word of God. So... God says in his word that we are to be holy. And we're picking up from two weeks ago when we spoke about holiness. So that is something important for us to build our lives upon. This should be part of your foundation, should be that you are building your life on holiness, being holy. Here are some important things to remember about being holy. Be holy as I am holy. This is God's instruction to us. But unfortunately, there are some mis- Um, incorrect definitions for holy as he is holy. Holiness does not mean worthy of devotion. Holiness, we know, is not moral perfection. Holiness, we know now, is not being set apart to God and is not being set apart from something. And we also know that holiness is not sin avoidance. Remember, we are building our lives to be holy as he is holy. So holiness is, when we look at God, God's holiness is wholeness. Holiness is all about being whole. God has made you whole. So when he says, be you holy as I am holy, he's saying, be whole as I am whole. God lacks nothing. He is unbroken, he's undamaged, he's unfallen. He's completely complete and entire within himself. He is the invincible one, the complete self-sufficient one. He is the picture of perfection. So that should be how I am building my life, how I am building my wholeness. I should build my life with the understanding that God has called me to be whole. Not based on my opinions. Again, I want that to be very clear because 
Because our opinions, opinions change based on current circumstances and information we get from people on the outside, based on what the world tells us. But we should be whole based on God's word. I am whole. In other words, he made you whole. Where you are sitting right now, please hear me. God has made you whole. And he expects for us to begin mature, to mature in that wholeness. For that maturity to, to take place in our lives. To be what he's made us to be. This is so important to know. You cannot be more whole than what you are right now. No matter what difficulties or situations or circumstances are going on in your life. No matter what moral failures you are going through. What sin you are currently in right now. It doesn't matter. You cannot be more whole than what he has already made you. Jesus came to make broken people whole. So you are holy if you are a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you are born again, you are holy, you are whole, you are that wholeness. So the question is then often asked, why does God exhort us um, to be holy if we are already holy? And the answer is, he's asking us to be who we truly are, what he has already made us. It is a calling to live up to. Do not settle for being in the mud anymore. God says your circumstances can be different. He's saying, be who I made you to be. I made it so, so that you can be whole, be whole. Don't be what the world is going through. Don't be what situations are trying to make you become. In every circumstance, no matter what you are going through, God says you are whole in it. Now, mature in it. So Jesus makes us holy. And our part and your part, my part, is to mature into what he has already made us. Now the question is, how do we mature in our wholeness? And I'm sure most of you are asking this question because now you know that you are whole. How do I mature in it? Well, I believe it starts First of all, the process starts by number one, identifying that you are whole. You are holy because Jesus made you holy. You are whole. Now maturing. That was step one. It's almost like many of us were left in the jungle to be raised by gorillas until someone discovered us and revealed to us, listen, you are not gorillas. No, you are humans. And now that we know we are not gorillas, but humans, now we must mature in our humanity. And it's the same in regards to your wholeness. You are not broken. Even though you might feel that way, God says you are whole. Whatever you might have that is broken, God says whatever it might be, it is out of alignment of what you are. Go for wholeness. This should encourage you. This should inspire you to take the things back that the enemy has stolen from you. Things that you were just content with. Oh, I'm just going to have to have this in my life for the rest of my life. No, don't settle for that anymore. It doesn't matter how far you've gone down the path. We can look different than the world. You can look different than the world. Your outcome can be different. Jesus said, be holy just as I am holy, meaning be whole. So, so go for whole. But how do we do that? How do we go for, go for whole? And I believe that this is the key by changing our thinking. 
Change the way you think about yourself. Move your thoughts from your opinions to God's promises. Move from this is what I think about where I'm at to this is what God says regarding who I am. Know this. God is a promise-making and a promise-keeping God. And God's word is filled with promises. Now, why does God make promises? So that you can know that you can trust him. So that you can know that, that he is who he says he is. Because to know God is, is like doing things on one level to, to know what he's doing is like one level of relationship. But to understand why God is doing things, why the promises are there, that is a whole different level of wholeness. Scripture says Israel knew God's acts and stayed broken. But Moses knew God's ways and God's promises and he reflected God's image and God's presence. He stood out. I want to call you, all of you listening, all Christians, we are to stand out. That's my desire. My desire is to look different than the world and not just reflect be a reflection of what the world is throwing at me, but rather I want to reflect God. And that can only happen when you know his promises. So we know now we are whole in Jesus. We know that we serve a promise making and a promise keeping God. But what benefit do these promises have for us as believers and how will they help us to be whole. Well, without God's promises, you have to know this. It is impossible to be whole if we do not have the promises of God. Let me show you four things about, about God's promises. Number one, the first thing that I want you to know regarding the promises of God. Promises are the foundations for our faith. This house and this life that I am building the foundations for my faith, it's the, it's the promises of God. Promises are the foundation for any faith you will ever have. In Hebrews 11:1, 1, it says the following. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. And faith is the evidence of things not seen. So this verse is saying that faith is substance and faith is evidence. Okay, so if faith is substance and evidence, how do we get faith? So how does faith come? So that I can have substance and so that I can have evidence. Now, Romans 10, 17 tells us how we get faith. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So, so if you don't have a promise that you are hearing, you can't have faith. And therefore, you cannot have that things that you are hoping for that are not seen. You can't believe you are whole. If you don't have a promise regarding God's wholeness. And once you get faith, you already have what was promised. Once you receive faith by hearing and hearing the word of God, you have what that promise is talking about. You have substance and you have evidence. And it just takes a little bit of time for us as believers to mature and, and to inherit the fullness of it. 
See, when faith comes, you already possess what God has spoken. Some of you I know are, are thinking, yes, Andreas, I don't know what you are talking about. This doesn't make sense to me. Can you explain it more? Yes, I can. Let me use this example. As a church, um, because we've been growing and we are so thankful that, for God's faithfulness to our body, we are looking at different options for the future regarding land and where we could possibly build um, our church building, where we can gather in the future. So I, I looked at many different companies and many different options on, on how to build. And I really believe it's, it's a phase process. So, so our first phase would be something that's called a sprung structure, for an example. And what the sprung structure do is they make customizable, movable buildings. You can design your building and they deliver the building that you designed to your site. Everything you need to build the building is delivered. Everything. So the way it would work is the following. They would come with trucks, 10, 20, 25, depends on how big your building is that you want to build. They will come with cranes and they deliver everything on pallets. By the time the trucks leave, everything, everything the building needs to be built will be there on the pallets. It will be there. So the substance of the building is there. The evidence of what was unseen before is now sitting on the piece of land where I'm going to build the building. All it took was faith and patience to inherit the promise. See, if those pallets that the substance is on were faith, the truck that delivered those pallets, that was a promise. So without a promise, you cannot have faith. You can't live out your wholeness without God's promises. Hebrews 11:6 6, 6 says the following, But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So we need the promises of God. We need to know them. And, and when we know them, what happens is faith shows up with substance and evidence. So the first reason why God gives promises is because promises are the basis for our faith. The second reason why you need to know the promises that will help you towards wholeness is promises leads us in the right direction. John 3.16 says the following, I'm sure you might know the scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So here's the question, what is the promise in that scripture? The promise is that you will have everlasting life. That is the promise. How do you get the promise to come about in your life? By following the direction of the promise. It leads you in the right direction about believing. It says whoever believes in Jesus Christ will have everlasting life. So then you will have the promise. If you believe the promise, you will see the direction that the promise is pointing you towards. If you want everlasting life, there's the promise. Accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So promises direct us. 
They steer our decision making. They help us to navigate through life. There's another scripture, Luke 6. Um, it says, therefore, be merciful just as your father is merciful. So there's a promise and there's a result. Judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn, you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And this whole scripture in Luke 6, it's filled with promises and direction. There is a promise for us. If you judge, you won't be judged. If you're merciful, there will be mercy. Give and it will be given. Can you see the promises of God's word? How it is supposed to direct and influence our lives? Do you see that when you get a promise from God, it takes you somewhere that you are supposed to go in God that gives you direction for life? In my own life, I can't tell you how how. I have grown in my relationship with God based on the directional promises that he's given me. His promises have guided me as a husband, as a father, as a friend, and as a leader of the church. He's directed my decision making. And because I follow his promises and his direction, God's fruit is present. It's present in my children. It's present in my relationship. It's present in my finances. It's present in my health because God's directing and promises are there. If I follow them, God's fruit will be there also. Now, I believe God's spirit leads us. I, I, and I know many of you, I know many people that have said this to me, you know, I don't really go to church. I don't read the Bible much. I'm directed by God's spirit moment by moment. And, and I, I believe I do believe God's Spirit leads us moment to moment. I live with God's presence. When I make decisions, I'm constantly praying in the moment, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Where should I go? But His promises set our course and maps our direction. See, God's leading in the moment is different. It's life applicable right now. But I need His maps, His course direction for my life. The moment by moment is important, but that is not how you build a foundation for life. To build a foundation, that looks different. See, you can be guided moment by moment, but without further destination, you are just wondering. He says the following, remember, we said, be whole. Be whole as I am whole. Therefore, there is a further destination even when you feel broken in the moment, be whole. The children of Israel, one of the best examples of being led moment by moment, they were guided for 40 years, moment by moment, by the presence of God. Moment by moment for 40 years in the desert. There are many Christians today that knows what they are supposed to do today, moment by moment, they know what they did wrong yesterday, but many of them do not know regard God's promises and direction for the future. They don't have an overall promise from God that says, this is where I am taking you. They feel like they are wandering. And I know so many young people that are wandering in their faith. And I really believe it's because they haven't laid down God's promises and built their trust in those promises. I know a lot of old people also who do that. 
And remember, we, we started off by the first scripture was, there are two men and the two men have the same desire. Their desire is to build a home. It's a good thing to build a home. And the one built his home on the sand with no foundation, moment by moment changing and wandering. And there's a wind that blows and then there's a current that changed and it's a high tide and look. But the other man built his house on the rock, a solid, firm foundation, God's promises. You need God's promises to build your home. It's like having a GPS, but not putting a destination in it. You can switch it on and it can tell you where you are, what street you are at. It's a good thing to know. It can tell you what neighborhood you are in. It can tell you where there are gas stations. But without a destination, you will simply be driving forever. It's simply information about your current situation and not your destination. Not about God's plans, purposes, and dreams. God wants your house to stand against the storm. Therefore, you need the foundational promises in your life. You need to be in a church. You need to get back to church. If you've been home, I'm calling you, get back to church. Be part of the fellowship. Be part of the family. It is foundational. The body needs to be connected. That connectedness gives us life. You need, be, need to be around people that's going to hold you accountable towards God's promises. Not towards their opinions, but towards God's promises. We need the body. Come back to church. See, God's promises will give us direction. And God says, I'm going to bring it to pass, the promises that I've brought, the direction that I've given. If I've promised you those things, I will bring them to pass. But you have to lay it as part of your foundation. So first three things. Promises are the basis for our faith. Promises give direction. And number three, promises demonstrate God's faithfulness. Promise, they demonstrate to us how faithful our God is. Uh, in Isaiah 49, love the scripture. It says the following, Kings shall be your foster fathers and their queens your nursing mothers. They shall bow down to you with their faces to the earth and lick up the dust off your feet. Then you will know that I am the Lord, for they shall not be ashamed who wait for me. So if we wait for God, we follow his directing, God says, you will know that I am God because you're going to see things change around you. So here, here is what I love. Um, I mean, there's so many things, but this is what I love, what, what God is doing here. God loves to do this. God loves to make a promise in advance of something happening so that when it happens, we know it was him. That builds trust and that builds faith. When God gives us a promise in advance, when it happens, we go, ha, that was my God. Ezekiel 20, 38 says the following. I will purge the rebels from among you and those who transgress against me. I will bring them out of the country where they dwell, but they shall not enter the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord. It's a promise in advance. See, because if God doesn't promise it in advance, we might go, well, that was just luck. Oh, that was just luck. Maybe that was Buddha is what the world will say. Maybe that was Allah. How do we know for sure it was God? Well, we know for sure because we heard it in advance and we can then say our God did this. You promised this and now it's happened. 
I know it's you. Regarding wholeness, that promise that God says you are whole, you can be whole, that declaration should become yours because when you are whole, you will not be surprised because your God has already said it about you. In John 2, 19, Jesus said the following, Jesus Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. And you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them. And they believed the scriptures and the word which Jesus had spoken. He told them in advance that he was going to be broken down, but that he will rise again at the third day. That promise confirmed the faith. It built their trust. It made them more whole regarding who Jesus is. John 13, 19 says the following. Now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe I am he. See, that's such a great reason why God's promises are there. It's so that our faith can be built up and strengthened. He wants us to look at his faithfulness and say, wow, God, you loved us so much that your promises in advance already told us of all the amazing fruit and benefits we will have when we follow your directing. When I built my house on the rock, I can testify because I followed God's instructions regarding principles. Promises that I've laid in my life and I'm building it upon the rock. The storms came. The storms and the wind and they blew. But God is faithful. Why? Because he told me in advance my house will stand. When you start reflecting Jesus in your life, in our lives, and the world looks at you and they see that you are different. God says, that was me. See, I know so many people whose lives have completely changed. People that's part of our church, part of our congregation. Their lives have changed because they've heard the promises and they've applied them. Now they look back and they would say, I could have never done this. But God told me that I could. And then God says, that was me. See, that builds our relationship with him. To know God's acts is one thing, but to know God's heart is something completely different. So promises, we need promises to be whole. And the last reason why you need a promise is, promises are the basis for our faith, number one. Promises gives us direction, which we all need. Promises demonstrates God's faithfulness, which builds our relationship. And promises encourages us during hard times. Now, if you've been saved for more than five minutes, maybe you have figured this out. That just because you've become a Christian doesn't mean that there won't be hard times anymore. Doesn't mean that all hard times will be eliminated from your life. It doesn't mean that you are placed in a bubble and what's happening in the world is not affecting you. No, we were all under the same mandates during this pandemic. Christians weren't excluded from it. The gospel does not say he will eliminate all the hard times. And if that is what you think that you signed up for, I'm sorry, that is not the truth. I've actually found for many people who give their lives to God that things actually get harder initially. It definitely gets harder. And for those of us who want to stand and reflect God, yes, there will be challenges. 
There will be accusations. Our troubled times will increase, but our life's fruit will reveal goodness. So yes, there will be hard times. Do you realize that if you are born again, that this is the worst it will ever be in your life? But do you also know that if you are not born again, this is the best it's going, this is the best it's going to get. You're not going to have better. For us, this is just the beginning as believers. So hard times come. Born again or not, there will be hard times. We are not excluded from things. So Paul writes to Timothy. Now, Timothy, at this point in time when Paul is writing to him, he's leading the largest church in the world at that point in Ephesus. Some believe, scholars believe that there were up to 200,000 people. I have no concept of how many services they had to run and which one was the recorded service and which one the pastor was live. I'm not sure how big the children's ministry was and what it was called, kingdom kids or not. And, and I'm not sure how many crafts they had to figure out every week and if they had a vacation Bible school. And I'm glad that I don't have to deal with those problems. But, but Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, listen, you're a pastor. You've got a calling on your life. Timothy, you are the senior pastor. And Timothy was encountering people who were false prophets and teachers, all kinds of weird people, idol worshipers. And more, the enemy wanted him to get beat down and the enemy wanted Timothy to be discouraged so that he would finally quit on that call that God had on his life. So Paul said this to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.18. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Timothy, there's promises spoken over you. Because of those promises, keep fighting the fight because God's promises will come to pass. Having faith and good conscience, which some having rejected. Some, so some people have, they've heard the promises of God. They've received the promises of God. They actually lived in it for a while. But then when the enemy came, they got discouraged. And it says they became, um, concerning the faith, they've been shipwrecked. They're just settling for what the enemy is bringing, for what the world is bringing. Now, now let me give you a little secret. And I want you to hear me for all of you listening to me right now. Those of you that are strong in your faith and you're going for it. And for those of you that feel discouraged. The devil is not original. He always uses the same attack on every single believer at all time. It's the same one. And it works most often. And that is why he is using it. It's the word called discouragement. Look at your current situation that you are in, that you feel that you are fighting, and you will see that discouragement is present. See, during hard times, the enemy can talk you out of areas that should be yours in Christ. In hard times, suddenly you are doubting your confidence in Christ. He can take back areas that you originally took from him, and now he illegally holds possession of it. He has no right over it, but because of discouragement, he takes back those areas and he holds it illegally. He has no right over any area in your life. And if he can get you discouraged, it's his number one attack. 
discourage them about their careers, discourage them about where they are at this age in life. I'm 50 years old. I don't have a retirement plan. I don't own a home. I'm not married. I don't have children. I'm 30 years old. I'm not dating somebody. I'm 20 years old. I don't know what I'm going to become one day in my life. The choices that you are making, you feel that they are wrong. And sometimes you will make wrong choices. That's okay. God's grace is there for us as believers. But, and, and the enemy will discourage you about being stuck, about being broken, about trying and failing. He will discourage you, discourage them. And once you are discouraged about being broken, he steals your wholeness. But here is what is amazing. What is amazing is how a fight changes. For those of you that are discouraged now, a fight changes when you get the right weapon and the right hand against the right enemy. It's amazing when you get a promise how you can deal with an enemy. Let me just say this. And I'm going to use this as an example. I, I, we, we got a, a puppy about nine years ago. Uh, for my kids. First, I was against getting dogs because um, with dogs comes hair. I was allergic to hair, but then we got a non-shedding, non-allergenic dog. It was amazing. Little, little puppy. She's small. She's a, a Yorkie. Um, um, she's a Shorkie. Yorkie Shih Tzu. Little, little dog. And I remember Anley is the dog's name. Um, she was about a year old. And we lived in a property that was surrounded by trees. There were trees all the way around the property. And having all these trees, what came with them were raccoons. Lots of raccoons. Now, one afternoon when I got home, we, we just, we were, lived there for about a year and a half. And, and Annie was still, she wasn't a year old yet. I got home from the office and I heard some, some dog screaming, scratching, barking, fearful sounds. And I went to the backyard. And what I saw was that Annie um, was with her back to the wall and she was in danger because there were three raccoons standing in front of her. And it looked like they were in attacking mode. So all I could find at that point in time that was right there on the deck was a baseball ball. And I picked it up and I started yelling at the raccoons and I waved my arms and they didn't do anything. Eventually I threw the ball and I hit the one raccoon, kind of if they had rib cages, or they do, but kind of where our rib cage would be. And, and, I, and I got him good. And I kind of, I kind of heard him go, <sighs> I kind of heard the little sigh in him when I hit him, but they didn't, they didn't run away. So I yelled um, even more. And then Ermi heard me and she came out and she said, what's going on? I said, grab me a baseball bat. Because they didn't move from my yelling. They didn't move from me throwing stuff at them. But it was actually quite amazing how their attitudes changed the moment I got a baseball bat in the hand. And what's even more amazing is how my confidence level just went way up. Because before I was yelling at a distance. And now with the bat in my hand, I was approaching them. And I was ready to do some damage. I was going to give them um, some, some uh, worth uh, thumbnails on the side of the rib cages if they didn't flee. But what's amazing is the moment I started approaching them with the bat in my hand, I wasn't yelling anymore, but they fled. And Anley was saved. See, this is what happens when you get the right weapon in the right hand against the right enemy. I didn't even have to swing the bat. 
See, that is what the word was designed to do for you. That is what God's promises are designed to do for us. That is what Jesus did when he dealt with the devil in the desert. He was tempted three times and Jesus responded, it is written. He referenced a promise. And then the enemy tempted him again and Jesus said, it is written. He referenced another promise. Because every time God speaks, it's a promise. And then the third time the enemy came again and Jesus said, it is written. The right weapon and the enemy departed from him for a season. See, Jesus had battles to fight. Hear me, all of you believers, please hear me. Jesus had battles to fight. You will have battles to fight, especially for your wholeness. But fight with the right weapons in your hand. Jesus constantly fought with the promises of God that has already been given to us. Jesus constantly fought with the promises of what God has already said and that makes it truth and a lie and darkness cannot stand against the truth. Believers, all of you listening, please hear me. You can do this. You are a child of God and God's called you to be holy. So that means you have to get hungry for his promises. You need his promises in your life. Be holy as I am holy. Be whole as I am whole. How can I be whole? By knowing we have a promise making and a promise keeping God. You can do this. Start looking different than the world. Start reflecting God's promises. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your promises in your word for your children, not for the world. It's for us. Thank you that we can have them and we can hold on to them and that we can use them not only to build our lives, but it's also used to fight the enemy when he wants to bring discouragement into, into our lives. And Father, I want to pray for every single person who's listening now, who's struggling with discouragement. I pray, Father, that you will stir in them. Holy Spirit, that moment-by-moment moment leading that we need, I pray that you will bring it into their hearts right now, that God loves them, God is for them, that they can do this. I pray that you will encourage them, stir them up, lift them up, give them hope. Let them know that they are whole. Because God, you've called us to be whole. You've made us whole. Let us desire that. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. See you again. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.